But I want to ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to read this little thing from John, and I'm going to ask you a question if you've ever been puzzled by that, because this is on the plate for this today. This is from John chapter 3. Nicodemus has come at night, and he asked him about God. So Jesus answers and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do you marvel that I say this again? And then later on he says, you're a teacher of Israel. You don't know these things. Has that ever, has that ever surprised you that, that Jesus would sort of uh, chastise a teacher and say, you didn't know this? Do you know where this is from? Do you know, what, do you know why Nicodemus should have known this? It's actually something that uh, I was working on this weekend and, and, and uh, falling in love with this verse from Ezekiel 36 again. You know that it's, a, it's an important one to me, but here it is. This is what Nicodemus was supposed to know and then apply to his life. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful of my rules. You shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Nicodemus was supposed to know that this new life was such a change that it was like being born again, that to have a heart removed of stone, those of you who've who've felt like this, I know there's at least four of you in the room that I've talked to that felt like you had hearts of stones, and when Jesus came into your life and started talking to you, it was like you had heart surgery, metaphorically. I know I'm one of them. I got this new spirit, and the change in me was so radical that often people would say, "That's I don't, don't even know that guy. But that's the break in what's going on here. Today, we are talking about a scripture in Luke that is often connected with the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read it in a little bit. But what I want to make sure that we do is I want to make sure that we know that this change in life that we're talking about isn't like this. Jesus wasn't going around the countryside looking for examples of Beatitude people to say that's what the kingdom of God is like. He was going around the, king, the, the countryside gospelizing the humanity so that as God touched their lives, the Beatitudes could start appearing and showing up. That's quite a different thought, isn't it? Then I, I sure hope I run into a peacemaker today was not what Jesus was doing. He was going, when the gospel comes into their life, removes their heart of stone, gives them a heart of flesh, and God pours his spirit into them, then they will start becoming peacemakers. That's a radical change from, I hope I run into somebody poor in spirit today. 
What he's actually saying and what I'm going to say and my premise is, is that it's not actually possible to be a beatitude person unless God has somehow touched your life. And, if you will, gospelization has begun to occur. So now I'm going to read the Luke stuff that approaches this, and we'll talk about it, okay? This is from Luke 6, 17. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. But in this mix, right, picture this large crowd. Jesus then turned to his disciples, turned to the people that were going to be known specifically for his name, turned to the people who were going to be his that he knew about in the crowd and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, and for you will be satisfied. God blesses you when you weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you? Do you like being hated, excluded, mocked, and cursed? Didn't think so. But not just for any old reason, not because you deserve it, not because your behavior's bad, but because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that ex same way. What sorrow awaits you when you are rich, for you have only happiness now? What sorrow awaits you? who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you. I'm going to just take a little aside here. My best friend for years was a was a born in China. Was born in China and his mom used to say to him, "How come you're so skinny? You we can afford to be fat." Prosperity in their country meant that you had a little weight on you cuz you know, you never knew when the next hunger hungry time was coming. And the people that had a little extra on them were, would live through that. That was their whole basis of their thing. Anyway, God, what sorrow awaits you who are wealthy and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for that's the way your ancestors praised the false prophets. Now the meat of the stuff here. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to them who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. To anyone who asks, and when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like have them do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why do you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to only those who can repay you, why should you get credit? 
you're already getting a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So that's the thing. What's it look like to be part of the kingdom of God, to be compassionate the way that God is compassionate, to love those who are unkind and unworthy and even cruel back? That's what it says to be in the kingdom of God means that that life starts to happen in you. Now, here's the problem, though. We live here, don't we? How many of you, how many of you do all that stuff just, just automatically? How many of you instead do this other little thing, like you're in the grocery store and you're kind of in a hurry and there's a short line and there's two people coming and you speed up? None of you? Some of you? All of you? <laughs> you do. I try not to, but sometimes I do. The problem with that is this, and, and not just for you, but for all of us. Do you want to know what you actually believe? Ask somebody how you act toward other people. Because if you believe people are important, you will start to treat them as important. If you believe that you're the most important thing in the world, you will start to treat other people as though they don't matter. If you want to know what you think about money, look at your checkbook. It will tell you everything you need to know about how you feel about money. You think this is important, but you didn't spend any over here. Right? You spent a $1,200 on your cable bill last year, and you gave $80 to orphanages. I don't know. I just make right? It tells you what you believe. You can look at your actual actions and say, that's what it is. Or we can start to gather people around us that tell us that we're doing really good, that we really like us. That's what the false prophets did. They would come up and say, oh, you guys are doing great. You just, you just, just st- stick with it. You're doing great. You know what uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 7, says about uh, one of the things of a false prophet or to not be afraid of a false prophet is even if everything they say comes true and they say follow other gods, you are not to pay any attention to them. And then in 14, the, the stand, Deuteronomy 14, the standard is wrong once makes somebody a false prophet. Isn't that, my, my address might not be correct, is it? Okay, it's, it's, it's somewhere in that Deuteronomy thing. The, the thing that I love about that is knowing is that the numbers weren't added until A.D. 1000. And, and Jesus said, it's written somewhere in there. Although he probably had to memorize the whole thing. Because that's the way the Jewish stuff was. Yeah, he authored it. So that is the doctrine of inspiration. Did you know that the doctrine of inspiration of the Word of God is literally God's words in men's mouths? That's a little aside. See, there, I'm, I'm majoring on the minors today. But here we are. We live in this spot where our actions 
are good for us and maybe not for others. Can I say that? If I, if I ace somebody out in line at the grocery store, then I've maybe made them late. Maybe I haven't taken them, taken them seriously. If, if my server is having a bad day at the, at the restaurant and I tip them badly because they're having, because they've treated me badly and I thought, and I forgot that maybe this is their living wage and, and maybe they're having a bad time because their bills aren't paid. I've started to think that, well, I deserve to be served better than that. Well, how about we live into the future of their life a little bit? We call that paying it forward. But this is what we're talking about. Just as those people mistreated the true prophets and loved the false prophets, we are just exactly like that. Because how many of you sign up for somebody to be around you and go, you know, this is the area of your life you don't do right. Do you sign up for that? Do you have somebody in your life that you keep around that, that can tell you where you don't do good? I've got, I've got the Holy Spirit. He's inside me. This is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit to me. Okay, are you ready for this? The thing that most annoys me about other people is the things that God's talking to me about in my own life. So when I'm being impatient and then somebody's impatient with me, I get really angry. And God's saying, see, that's your spot. Go work on that. Don't be mad at them. You do it too. But you can't do that without the Spirit of God inside of you. You can't do it without the new heart and the new flesh and so I want to I sink this in again, just this last little bit from Luke chapter 6, verses 34 through 36, 5 through 6. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Let's talk about that for a second. When you weren't maybe, do you remember a time when you didn't, didn't know Jesus and weren't trying to follow God? Do you remember that time? Was there a great famine in the land nearby you, wherever you went at that time? Do you know why not? Because God continued to bless you even when you weren't blessing him. Yeah, sinners and, sinners and do-goods alike, yeah. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. One of the commentaries I've been reading, and I really like this one, says it this way. Luke grounds his morality in the covenantal attitudes and actions of God. It's not just about our attitudes, how we think about people. It's about how we treat them. It's not just about our attitudes. It's about our actions. Have you met somebody that's all attitude and no action? What's it make you think about their faith? Is it real? So I'm just asking questions. It's a rhetorical one. I'm not expecting answers. As God is kind toward all creatures, even those who are not themselves kind, even to the wicked, so are his disciples to be. Remember that this text was not necessarily addressed by the author of the gospel to the whole crowd. He turns to his, his disciples, to his followers, 
to the ones that belong to him, the ones that are known by his name, right? They're not somebody else's disciples. They're Jesus's disciples. They're known by his name. And he says all these things. The reward itself is the reality of being the children of the Most High, those who can imitate in the world the kindness of God toward the world. And how do we imitate the kindness of God toward the world? Well, let's go back to that little thing where where in Ezekiel 36 we have this life and God sprinkles us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, if you will, and then he removes our hearts of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Can you do that on your own? Is this a self-help book? This is not the self-help book. This is God saying, you need the helper and you need a new heart and I'm going to give you a new heart. And Jesus then to Nicodemus says, unless you're born of water and of spirit, you can't do this stuff. The old and the new work together there, don't they? They they say the same thing. And we need this heart of flesh and the spirit, and then we can start to follow his decrees. Do you know what that means? Follow his decrees. It's technically a really hard way of saying we imitate God. We start to live his actions in the world. We imitate his kindness to us in the world because he's kind to the world as well. And by that, we're known as his children. But it's not just attitudes, is it? We don't just think kind thoughts as we cut people off in the grocery store. I'm so nice. It's about our actions. But it's not just doing good for good's sake. It's doing good because God is poured this new life into you, and you have the opportunity to share it and be a light in the world. So, so I, want, I want to get to this. This is extreme ethics of the kingdom. You didn't know you were in the class today, but you are. This is how the kingdom of God works, is he pours his spirit in you, and then the life he gives you starts to take life, and then pretty soon everything you do comes up God in somebody else's life because your actions are changed. This is beyond reciprocity. This is beyond, I didn't say that right, did I? This is beyond just doing it the way somebody does it to you. This is being good to those who don't even do good to you. I, I, I take an example from somebody I know. She had a coworker that wasn't very nice to her. Any of you have a coworker that doesn't like you very much somewhere along the line? Isn't, isn't very nice to you. So what she did is she decided that she was going to be her best friend, this woman. She's going to be the best friend to the woman that didn't like her. She was going to do good to her. It took her nine months to outlast whatever the woman had against her. Can you do good for nine months in order to make a new friend? That, that seems a little extreme, doesn't it? And yet the whole workplace changed. She was able to imitate the kindness of God to her, to somebody else, as God is kind to the world and change it. They actually did become friends. That's quite a story. I followed that example once. I had a boss that used to say that he didn't have employees. He had FTEs, which is full-time equivalents, right? I'm a 
I, I don't have people, I've got numbers. And I ran it and I walked, met him in the hallway every day and I'd heard this story about this woman and this, uh, about outlasting her. And so I decided I was going to say hi to him every day. Good morning. How are you? For the first five months, he completely, utterly ignored me. You just keep doing it. Pretty soon, I had him saying good morning. He even stopped in the hallway to talk with me after a while. It turned out that at one point in time, I had turned in my two weeks' notice because we were moving back from the back to the Tri-Cities, and he had to approve some weird work schedule thing for me because they had a hiring freeze. They had a hiring freeze going on. You ever heard of one of those? Well, let me tell you what our workload was like. We were working 65-hour weeks every week, and I had just turned in my two-week notice. And they couldn't hire anybody to replace me, and there were five of us doing the work that probably should have been done by eight of us, and there was about to be four of us. And he goes, I know him. I can approve that schedule. And I worked out of the Tri-Cities seven days for out of every ten days and three in Olympia for three years. And God provided. And he provided in such a way that was really weird. It was like this guy was never going to do an alternative work schedule, even though he worked for Department of Transportation, and the whole plan was to change the way people worked. He was not going to do it because he didn't have employees. He had FTEs. Our attitudes and our actions are every bit as important as the Spirit of God in us. And God's going to use us to bless the places where we are, not just use us to bless this building. Now, you are a blessing in this building. Every time you come in this building and you wish somebody... God's blessings and you're friendly and all that, that is great, awesome. But it's not just about the people in this building. It's about the people that come into contact with the people that are in this building and the people you come into contact with elsewhere. And how do you bless and change their lives? How do you, as the commentator said it, imitate in the world the kindness of God toward the world? How do you fill the world with good when you yourself are being filled with the good from his spirit? Because it takes root in you. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to do good in a world that doesn't do good everywhere it goes. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love. I thank you that 31 years ago, you interrupted my life with a new heart. And I thank you for your spirit. I I thank you for those in here that know your name, for those that will know your name through us. May we be your people and imitate your life that is growing in us everywhere we go. Amen.